0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nope Too Creepy podcast. This episode revolves around magic, but not the happy, hopeful kind. No, 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 dear listener, you'll have to venture elsewhere to find that. But I trust you knew exactly what to expect by choosing this podcast, am I right? Prepare yourselves for two stories about the darker side of the magical world, even if that dark magic puts on the facade of being something bright and fun. This first story revolves around a father who just wants to get something special and unique for his Disney-obsessed daughter. Unfortunately, he finds one from what is likely the worst place to find just about anything. Written by Reddit user Simba Kingdom, I present, do not buy the lost Disney movie off the dark web. My daughter is obsessed with Disney. In fact, she doesn't want to be called by her real name anymore. She insists on being named after Elsa, Queen of Ice. She has all the merchandise and all the movies on DVD. Every time Disney releases a new movie in the cinema, she insists that she has to see it. Frozen, Moana, Mulan. She knows it by heart and will spoil it if you ask her to. Last Christmas, I was at a loss on what to give her. Encanto had just come out, and not only had she watched it three times, she already had every single piece of merchandise that came with the movie. "'Surprise me!' she said with a wink, when I begged her for gift ideas. After weeks of racking my brain, I decided to just search the internet for the perfect gift. Before long, I came across an old video browsing site just off the edge of the dark web. There was an old Disney DVD for sale. It was made in the old 2D animation, and not the new 3D state-of-the-art animation like the modern Disney films. It was advertised as The Lost Disney Film, something they made but never released. In fact, it had no official title. The website simply said, The Lost Disney Movie, available now. It was relatively cheap, too. Only $25 with free shipping. It came just in time for Christmas. Elsa squealed in joy when she ripped open the wrapping paper. I thought I watched every one! She shouted. This one's special. I winked at her. Elsa insisted on watching the movie the moment we finished dinner, and I obliged, running it on an old TV. The movie was nothing really special, just the same old Disney plot. A princess lives on an island her entire life, finds a handsome, shipwrecked prince, falls in love, etc. Honestly, it was the cheesiest thing I ever came across. But Elsa loved it. She watched it again and again. It's bedtime, darling, I said at last when the clock struck midnight. No! She whined. Her eyes still fixated on the screen. So, I yanked the plug out of the television. Elsa still had not moved. Her eyes were still glued to the screen. I couldn't help but peek at the screen. My heart dropped to my stomach when I realized the movie was still playing. The characters were dancing and laughing across the island. "'Elsa? It's time for bed, sweetie,' I called out again, shakily. This was not normal. I reminded myself to call the electrician when Christmas was over. "'Later,' Elsa muttered without looking at me. The characters were still laughing on the screen. It was like they were laughing at me. "'The next morning,' The movie was still on the TV. The long cord snaked across the room, the plug grinning at me. Elsa had not moved. Her jaw was slack, and her eyes were red, and she was still as a statue. Elsa, breakfast, I said. Elsa did not respond. I stood in between her and my television set. Elsa! Breakfast! I nearly shouted. Elsa still said nothing. A dribble of saliva ran down her open mouth. Her pupils were dilated, and her face was throbbing. It had only been one night, but it was as if she had not slept for many days. Leave me alone, she gurgled sleepily. This was not normal. Nothing I did would make her stop watching the movie. Dragging her away was impossible. It was like she was glued to the spot. I'm not joking. No matter how hard I tried to pull her away, I couldn't even move her an inch. And that's not even the craziest part. I tried throwing a blanket over her. I figured that way at least she wouldn't be directly watching the screen. The blanket caught fire and crumbled to ashes on the floor with a hiss. Finally, and desperately, I tried to smash the TV. But when I did, my hammer simply bounced off the glass. I swung the hammer again but this time, the hammer crumbled into smithereens at my feet. The cartoon continued to play, every word a taunting reminder of my attempts. In the end, I gave up. Nothing worked. I kept a wary eye on her as the days slipped by. Then she started changing. Her face grew as white as bone. Her skin grew translucent until I could see inside of her. Her eyes were pale and bloodshot. Her jaw too slack. She barely responded when I called her name. As time went on, she grew more and more interested in the film, sliding closer and closer to the television Then one day, all was silent. I called out Elsa's name, but she did not even grunt. Then I made the mistake of looking at the television set. There she was, frolicking happily on the island with the characters, a blur of pixels on the screen. I screamed her name and banged on the screen, but it was like she couldn't hear me as if she was there all along. I regret buying the lost movie off the internet now, especially since I lost my daughter. Too good to be true, as the saying goes. How I wish I heeded that warning. Especially since, as I pen these words, I hear my daughter's sweet voice from the television set. She's inviting me to watch the movie, and be with her, frolicking on the island paradise. Should I do it? Last week was St. Patrick's Day, the annual celebration of everything Irish. Being from the Chicagoland area, I know just how big of a deal it can be. They dye the river green, People throw on all the green clothing they can find, and the big day is usually followed by a special report of all of the 911 calls that take place in the span of 24 hours. Oh, and you might just see an image or two of what can be argued as the official mascot of St. Patrick's Day, the leprechaun. Well, dear listener, allow me to continue the spirit of the holiday just a little bit longer with this next story written by reddit user no communication 7 here is i found out the hard way how leprechauns get their riches it's been a while since i've taken the country roads at night there's something about them that i don't like the long dark roads and the corners even when you're in the leather seat of a vintage luxury car Treating those corners as if they were nothing, the headlights can only let you see so much. The fear of getting into an accident is big, and it's not irrational. They do say you are more likely to have a car crash at night, and there's something scary about crashing at night, or even breaking down. Maybe, just maybe, there is a fear hard-coded into us. A fear of highwaymen from the time they were oh-so-common in the dark and dangerous highways, and not to mention the primal fear of the unknown, living, paranormal, or dead. As you probably already know, leprechauns are the green-suited creatures from Irish folklore. They go along with the whole thing about pots of gold and rainbows. None of this was on my mind as I left Dublin, heading west, but I knew that as the sun was setting, that I would end up driving in the dark. I told myself, well, it's safer than the city at night, as the sun finally touched the horizon. But deep down, I had the fear of everything and anything that could possibly happen. But there was nothing that could stop me as my Mark II Jaguar purred itself down the road. I had been driving for just over two hours, and it wasn't long until I reached a flow state, and eventually, highway meditation. The drive, never to be remembered again. Or so I thought. I had been driving for at least a few hours, watching the road ahead, and making adjustments as needed, hypnotized by the rumbling engine, and nothing but darkness to the sides and behind, I occasionally saw shapes moving in the darkness, off in the distance, even formations of lights flying around. But that was just all in my head. I knew it. I don't remember much of the drive after that, but I remember the feeling of my heart dropping like the bending feeling of the floor in an old house when you drop something on it. Ahead of me, on the road, was a short, human-like figure in a hat. I slammed the brakes and yanked the steering wheel in an attempt to swerve around the humanoid. This caused the rear tires to lose grip, sending the car into a 180. When the spinning stopped, I found myself next to a gate. Beyond it was a field that I couldn't see much of. I looked up the road and saw the figure approaching me, and then, to the right of me, in the field, many pairs of eyes. It was the feeling of being watched multiplied by a million. To make things worse, I noticed that the engine had died. No matter how hard I tried to get it started, it didn't. I went to push the starter button again, but I felt a bump on the car. I looked up, away from the leather-clad control panel in the middle of the dashboard, to see hundreds of green creatures around the car. It took me a few seconds to register what I was seeing. Leprechauns. I fumbled with the key switch and button as they tried to open the doors. When that didn't work, they tried to smash the windows by banging on and rocking the car. It's almost as if they wanted something. One managed to crack the windshield. Another broke the chrome cat leaper off the bonnet. I thought that's what they wanted, but I was cut off mid-thought as it was sent through the driver's side window, taking it out. I ripped the seatbelt off as I saw green sleeves fumbling around for the lock. I tried to jump into the back seat, but it was too late. One of them had pulled the car door open, and another was pulling me out by the legs. I tried grabbing the steering wheel, but it flew past me in an instant. The field must have been on a grade, as I was 20 to 25 feet away from the car when I got myself together. The sporin on my kilt, which is a small traditional pouch, had disappeared, nowhere to be found. Then, I heard a familiar noise that was getting closer. I quickly realized it was my jag. Jesus. They know how to drive. I was blinded by the flash of the headlights as I jumped out of the way. They were coming for me, trying to abduct me with my own car. I tried to run as I saw the rear door open. I was thrown inside and heard the engine roar again, this time with the fearsome sound I hadn't heard before. That of a jaguar, in line six, being strained to within an inch of its life. As the outside world started flying past, I was offered a choice. I have to admit, Irish is a language I have never really understood. It's so complicated, and written words are never pronounced how they seem. But in my little knowledge of the language, I knew they wanted something, yet I couldn't reply. um, I was detained by them, and robbed. All of my coins, including my pocket piece, an old silver half-crown, and everything else I had, like the silver Celtic cross my mother gave me when I was 12. They were all taken. Despite all that, I can't really remember what happened next. Either they let me out or they threw me out of the car. I remember looking up at the stars and realizing one thing. My car was gone. I managed to hitch a ride with a car that was passing by. Dublin. I'm heading back to Dublin, I said as I got into the car. I felt sorry for the driver for putting mud and grass on the back seat. I was about to offer to clean it for him when he noticed me, a young male, wearing a strange Irish tweed outfit covered in grass and some mud. What the bloody hell happened to you? I was robbed, I replied. They took my money, my car, phone, jewelry. The expression on the man's face changed from surprise to sadness. He even offered me his phone, but I declined. Once we got back into Dublin, he dropped me off. I found my way to a police station and reported the incident. I gave them the plate number of the car from memory, and details of everything that had been stolen. I didn't tell them the full story, though. After that, I made my way home, and only then did the whole thing hit me like a stone. It was just after 10pm, so I spent the rest of the night at a pub. That was one year ago now. They found my car abandoned in a field in Donegal. It had been trashed. I sold it to a Jaguar enthusiast and replaced it with a newer model, but I never found the kilt sporran or any other things that were stolen from me. Please, don't drive in the Irish countryside at night, and if you ever find a pot of money in gold, don't take from it. The riches you'll find do not belong to you, nor do they belong to the leprechauns. Thank you for joining me in this episode of The Nope Too Creepy Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about either of the authors, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Until next time, this is your host, Dan David reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.